Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. I am your hostess, your groove mistress, spiritual advisor, and cruise director, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, Perry. I don't care, whatever feels comfortable. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and following and and subscribing, whatever podcast platform you listen on, Podbean or uh, Stitcher, Apple, it doesn't matter. I just want to make sure that you get the people, you get the the information, you get to listen live or download later, which is still always free. And um, if you're listening live tonight, this is April 13th, 2020. And yes, I know, I know we're all having to look sometimes just to make sure we have the date right. Um, Somebody said, I think I reposted on Instagram, somebody's uh, post that, you know, since we've all been in isolation, it's like being in Vegas. We're losing money by the minute. Drinks are acceptable at any time, and nobody knows what day it is. So if you would remind me, tomorrow I'm speaking to a class uh, via Zoom at Clark Atlanta University, and I am writing it down everywhere so I won't forget. But anyway, um, if you're listening live tonight, yes, I was going somewhere with that. Uh April 30th, if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, I want you to know that if you haven't followed, you could just click that pink box up at the top that says follow in white letters, and um, that way you'll know what's happening. We have had so many cool guests lately, and people ask, oh, and people who've been leaving, especially leaving reviews on Stitcher, and this is one of my favorite things, because I always want to know, what do you want? What do, when do you want entertainment, information, uh, just to talk to somebody on here? I always want to know what interests you. And people have written on the reviews that they like the fact that sometimes I'll have some people on that they know. They know who they are because they're songwriters or musicians or authors or uh, NASA JPL people or because it's somebody totally brand new to them that they didn't know and that you all like the familiar and then meeting new people. I like that. So let me know because I want to keep make sure I bring cool people. And I have been so fortunate. By the way, last week we had, um, you know, last week we had Kyle Mayberry, and he is a C- he's a sports agent and CEO of True Athletics. That's T-R-U-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-X. If you have... Um, son, grandson, nephew, daughter, granddaughter, niece, anybody, sister that is interested in uh, getting to college, uh, needs a student-athlete kind of uh, situation, then you can go to him. He has packages. He knows how to get students. doesn't matter what their sport is, tennis, basketball, football, lacrosse, whatever. He has a team of professional advisors uh, made up of retired and current professional athletes with many years of experience, and they can help 
find the right university or college set up. And, uh, yeah, get you some recruitment action going on there. So, you know, I'm still sharing his social media information. And also coming up soon, we've got Carol Leavitt, um, John Oates from Hall and Oates, Victoria Price, daughter of Vincent Price. We've got lots of people coming in the next few weeks, so keep up with this. And, um, yeah, this will be great. Now, tonight, you've seen the post I've been putting out everywhere, and I've been talking to friends about this. I am so excited about tonight's guest. Of course, they come from our dear friends at Steve Allen Media, whom I adore, everyone there. Um, one thing that I hear about from friends and talking to different people is that, especially now, people, now that we all have a lot more time to, I don't know, squirrel picnic tables or maybe redo our closets or just think about things. A lot of people I know that um, have some time to consider, you know, am I who I'm meant to be? What happened to the girl I was going to be, the woman I'm meant to be? Am I a good enough mom? Am I too close? Am I a helicopter? Am I a snowplow mom? Or what about me? Have I sacrificed too much? Have I sacrificed enough? And you know, I have so many friends. All my friends that are mothers, I think, are magnificent. I'm not a mother, but I think that every one of them, to me, uh, and they always say it's the people who don't have kids that know how everybody else should raise them. Well, all of my friends, I think, are doing a magnificent job. But tonight, I am so excited to have author, speaker, and psychotherapist, Patty Ashley, Ph.D., LPC, and really cool chick, here to talk with us. Uh, we were going to have her here for March Women's Month, but I had a problem on my end. And uh, but hey, we think March, we think Women's Month should be all the time. So first, let me welcome right here for her first time in the Genie Bottle, Dr. Patty Ashley. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Hi, thank you, Jennifer. It's great to be here. I am delighted to have you here. I'm so excited. And, and, yeah, I know you've probably heard people say that, you know, it's everybody that doesn't have kids thinks they ought to know. They know what everybody else should do. And I used to be that way, always like, well, why don't they do this or that? And the older I get, the more I think, they're doing a great job. I don't think I could have done half as good. Mm-hmm. You know, That's from, so from true. My Wasn't there a spectator spot? You know, I thought I was a good parent until <laughs> I had kids or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a tough job. It's a tough one. And I think that in a lot of the things that I have read of yours, about you, um, sometimes, and I think we're going to talk about your newest book and some of your other books too, but I've seen, and I think that you discuss this too, and I know you probably have a lot of clients who have asked you this that have brought you to this as well as yourself being a mother, but sometimes... I think women feel or people feel that their friends as mothers tend to sort of be so involved in caring for their children and doing a good job and doing their best for their family. We wonder if if we or if they tend to lose track of who they are. Definitely. So my first book, Living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother Archetype, was based on my doctoral dissertation because – I um, raised four children. They're all in their 30s. My um, oldest is going to be 40 this year. I cannot believe it. Um, Oh, my. I know. Back in the day when I had young children was the 80s, 1980s, and we were learning all kinds of things about 
how to raise children in ways that were very different from our parents and our grandparents. And what I found in my peer group, as well as in my professional work, which at that time was as a parent educator, that there was this never-ending feeling of not being a good enough mom, even though it was, you know, the, I, moms were doing way too much. You know, when the script says exit stage left, we're still on the stage, you know. So it, it was a phenomenon that I was noticing, so I did my doctoral research on it. And, you know, the the summary of all that is I think we've we learned so we're in a learning curve. We've learned so much about our social-emotional development in the last year when we started researching um, how to raise kids. I always say we're the only species, humans, that have to research ourselves to understand how to do relationships because the animals are out on their own. But <laughs> we've done it wrong for a lot of years, and so we're just kind of cleaning up the shrapnel from the old stuff. Parents, particularly moms, were trying to overcompensate and give my kids everything I didn't have. The real work for moms is to go back and heal some of their own emotional wounds that came from the old. You know, do as I say, not as I do. You should be ashamed of yourself. Don't be angry. Don't. Alice Miller's own good gives you really clear old parenting text that say things like beat the devil out of a two-year-old when they're having a temper tantrum, you know break the will of the child before they're old enough to remember. And what we know about carrying ancestral DNA now for possibly generations, it all makes perfect sense as to why parents today have been trying to overcompensate. And then that's how they lose themselves. So oh. I find it really fascinating what's going on right now with the social distancing and people having to be together so much. And I think... You know, I was talking to my daughter. We're actually getting ready to do – I'm doing some courses online, um, and in May we're going to launch a program we call Mom. So we're going to do Moms in Real Life in Quarantine. <laughs> and, you know, I was talking to her yesterday. She has a 7-year-old and a 3-year-old, and I said, you know, I think that one of the things that's happening right now is these moms who tried so hard to shelter their kiddos from – and sorrow and grief can't do that anymore because kids are feeling pain and, and grief. We're feeling a lot of that in, and this is, goes back to the old school. Don't cry before I, unless I give you something to cry about. Don't be angry. Don't be this. We don't have a lot of experience with what to do with our emotional, social, emotional selves. And now we're all quarantined together. <laughs> we can't, oh, oh, they call yeah. it lawnmower parents you know we try and smooth over everything for our kiddos but we're just trying to to make things better for ourselves and we can't do that so i think we're really we're really uh, no pun intended stuck in a place of having to look at some things that we haven't looked at um deeply enough to really affect some deeper changes i know it was a long answer to your question but Hopefully, I answered it. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, let me just take just a moment to to step outside the conversation, to do an aside and say, listen, after what you started off with, with a 40-year-old daughter, I have been watching your interview lately. I have seen your pictures, and I've got, I've got your next book subject, if you don't mind. 
tell us how to look as good at you as you, okay? Because I'm thinking, okay, what was she a child bride? When did she go to school? I don't know. So anyway, thank you. I'll take that any day. I love it. You you are absolutely gorgeous. So that please give us that book too, because we already know, you know whatever you know what you're doing, okay? So. Um, so, yeah, so when I guess, um, you know, in different generations, uh, like I'm from the baby boomer generation or Gen X, Y, I guess different um, different types or styles of, of mothering or parenting kind of reflected from the uh, the media at the time, be it TV shows or whatever, or films. Uh, but one thing I want to know is when, when mother's self-sacrifice, you know, I'll give up something, I'll give this up for my child. And that's got to sometimes, I've always thought, you know, where, where does the mother, you know, she's pay off somewhere. Is is self-sacrifice, can it be beneficial or can there be uh, more harm? Does it depend on how much or what type? And after that, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you something about uh, can, can mothers create boundaries? And is that Okay. Well, yeah, well, in the first three years of life, it's all about sacrifice, and it, that's a good thing because, again, what we've learned about child development, thank goodness we know now about attachment theory and bonding, and you can't hold a baby too much, and it's all meeting or meeting their sensory needs, and you have to give up a lot because your world it, it, it the baby needs you. Um, and, of course, if you're working and you have a caregiver, you know, that person takes on that role as the primary attachment figure as well as yourself. But it's a lot of sacrifice. You don't sleep. Um, y- you know, it's hard in infancy. And then when mm-hmm. kids start older, that's when we start um, really paying attention to like my mentor, Dr. Catherine Krizzi, used to say, our job as a parent is to is to work ourselves out of a job. And so we really want to start to allow our children to become more independent, but it's always going to be some element of sacrifice as a parent. That's part of the deal. But what happens, I think, when, when the, there's so much sacrifice, it's more about losing a sense of self and the idea than identity of being a mother. We don't want to lose the fact that we are a self separate from being a mother because then when our kids leave home, that's when we really struggle. And we really want to make sure that we have our own life and we have interests and things that we like to do and hobbies and relationships that aren't all about the kiddos. But, you know, parenting is sacrifice. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's more about making sure you don't sacrifice your own identity. And that happens a lot because when, you know, that's what I found in my research and my own work and my own parenting experience a long time ago, as we've established earlier, <laughs> is that I, you know, I totally forgot who I was. And, um, and, and, and oftentimes we don't even develop a sense of identity when we have kids. I wasn't a teen, but I was in my early 20s when I had my oldest daughter. So, I, um, you know, I really hadn't fully developed a full sense of self. And in and, and development, it's ideal to have a full sense of self. I know who I am in the world and what I, I like to do and who I am. Then I become, then I get married, then I have a child. That's the ideal progression, but it doesn't often happen that, happen that way. We usually, you know, get married, have kids, and mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure it all out. 
So I think sacrifice to some degree, but not to sacrifice our own identity. Um, and finding things to do that we like to do and taking time for ourselves, even in the first three years, is so important to refuel. And that's what my daughter and I were talking about last night, too. You know, one of the chapters in my book is um, remembering the oxygen mask, because when you fly on an airplane, the flight attendant always says, you know, if you're flying with small children, make sure you put on your oxygen mask before you help them. And I think as far as parenting goes, that's number one, is we have to mm-hmm. find time for ourselves. And so in the first three years, when I'm saying it's so much sacrifice, that's where partners and, you know, support systems are so important to just give mom a break, um, to refuel, to do something that recharges the battery, so to speak. So that's really important throughout. And, again, when the kiddos get bigger and older, the more you stay focused on what you need, to support your own identity, the better, and that really helps the empty nest transition as well. I guess I would guess that too. That would also set an example for the mm-hmm. children as far as what to expect or how to how to parent. That's a great point. A very, very, very good point. And you know what I notice with these overindulged kids, these parents who just give and give and give and give and give, it creates a lot of anxiety. Um, I have, you know, high school kiddos that I work with who have so much anxiety because they don't want to disappoint their mother because their mother has, you know, sacrificed everything and they have, they feel obligated. And, and, and that's not good. Mm. That's not what we want. We want kids exactly. That's a really good point. You know, the word discipline comes from disciple, which means to teach or train and um, we want to be a role model. We want to be a role model for how we have a, a self, a healthy identity ourselves. And that doesn't mean we abandon our kids and we, um, you know, are narcissistic. It means that our kiddos see, wow, mom's got a life. What cool stuff mom's doing. Look at that. And I get to choose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, my teacher, Catherine Kersey, you know, don't make your kids take piano lessons just because you want to take piano lessons. You take the piano lessons. <laughs> Good point. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is so good. You know, my, my I know um, my best friend, and I've known her. We've been best friends 20 years. So, yeah, I know her parents and her children. But I remember she said, you know, my mom and dad, they had those three kids. And then as soon as we got all got out and got married, she goes, we did not drop our kids on her door. She goes, oh, no, you brought that little person in here. That little person's going back out the door with you. She said, they said, they set their rules. And she said, you know, they were very loving parents. You know, they, they taught them. I mean, her father wanted to make sure that every one of them was a chess master so they could have help their critical thinking, but I thought, yeah, I think it's those uh, examples um, that you can set. And so, yeah, it's about having uh, that identity. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. don't, let, don't, don't force them to take piano just because you wanted to learn. Learn. I love that. That was one of my favorite. And, and it happens a oh. lot. I mean, I'll share – I always have to share my favorite quote. My teacher, Dr. Catherine Kersey, um, I got a master's in early childhood education in the early 90s, and um, she was such an incredible human being. She wrote several books, The Art of Sensitive Parenting and some other ones. And 
I would go out and do a lot of lectures for her in the community and always share this quote, which is children come into the world very much like a packet of seeds without a cover on the front. And it's the parent's job, very much the gardener's, to provide the adequate water, air, nutrition, and light to raise a seed to its highest potential. It's not our job to raise a rose into a carnation or carnation into a rose. And I love that because Uh that's what happens a lot. You know, we're projecting our own unmet needs onto our kiddos and what we think they ought to be instead of witnessing who and seeing who they are and giving them the nourishment they need to be, fully become who they are. So when we force a kiddo to take piano lessons when they're, you know, an athlete or a mathematician, that's not going to go well. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So I like that analogy about the seeds. Um, what about when mothers, and, but what mothers do get, so you say they have, you know, they a lot of responsibilities, and you know, I, I think it's and, and remember, I'm just a lay person, so I'm, I'm happy to be corrected if my info or my uh, point of view is wrong. But it seems like now there are a lot of situations where, with parents living a longer time, maybe mothers have their children to raise, and then they've got older parents to take care of, and and I just see so many people just in a uh, like a state of of just being so overwhelmed uh, because of so many responsibilities. What what can mothers do when they're just sort of beset on all sides? If somebody needs them everywhere they go or everywhere they look, where can they go for, for support? Mm, that's a really good question, too, yeah, the sandwich generation. Um, so important to not neglect our own needs. Um, again, the oxygen mask and to find some little ways to to fuel in between support systems I mean, the research I did when I wrote my book on um, the Schreiber Report had just come out at the time, and they had done a ton of research on women, and um, they found that, you know, caregivers have the highest incidence of of physical illness as well as mental illness, depression, anxiety, addiction. Um, If we don't take care of our bodies, we're not good for anybody. So mm-hmm. in answer to your question, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's, it's back to the boundaries that you asked about earlier. You know, we have to set mm-hmm. boundaries. We have to find support systems. We have to refuel and get that oxygen mask on. Um, and it's a lot. And to, to to I think the most important thing is to have people to have empathy for that instead of it's, you know, well, it's just your job and you got to do it. That, you know, the empathy mm-hmm. of really hard. You're really going through a lot right now. Yeah. How can I help? You know, or here's some resources that might help. Um, it's like, tough. And I like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't only imagine. I write, I'm writing this down, uh, too, to make sure I remember. Remembering the oxygen mask, that's so important. Or, you know, as we all seen those, those uh, the funny, the never on my flights, but, the, but, but I get nice ones. The nice flight attendants who say, who'd give, that you see on YouTube, giving a speech about put your oxygen mask on first before the child and if you have two child two children just decide which one has the greater earning power and put that one up <laughs> first you've seen those <laughs> anyway since, since yeah. uh you know I, I love those why do i never get on that plane 
But uh, so let's talk about. We mentioned your books, or you mentioned your books. Let's talk about your books. Um, I know you've got one coming out that's going to do out of spring. Uh, last one's the one in nineteen letters to freedom, and before was living in the shadow of the two good mother archetype. Uh, letters to freedom. Would you tell us about that? Because I just think this is such an important book. Yeah, it's definitely a vulnerable vulnerable piece of my heart. Um, it's a memoir. I um, was dating a man named Lawrence Freedom, and I call him the midlife man of my dreams. I had <laughs> lost my father when I was a kid of a sudden heart attack when I was 11 years old. And, you know, as a therapist and a, a seeker and a curious human, I realized that it had really affected how I did relationships. And so I had known Lawrence for years here. He was an addiction counselor and had a lot of respect for him. And his wife passed away and um, suddenly as well. And about a year later, him and I went out on a date, and we just fell madly in love. And um, less than two years later, he died the same way my father died of a sudden heart attack. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and it was a relationship about healing my grief around my dad because I thought I was so wise and I knew what I was doing now and I was going to do a relationship different with him, and he was so willing to support me in that. And we were running into little struggles toward the end of our relationship, so I, start, I was writing him love letters, and that's oh. why I titled the book Letters to Freedom. And then the subtitle is From Fear to Love to Grace because he was writing some a book and doing some classes uh, and he called that from fear to love to grace because he had learned from losing his wife that, you know, the fears that we have in our life that, um, you know, open us up to love and then the loss opens us up to something greater, which he was saying he felt it was, it was grace. So I divided the book into three sections, fear, love, and grace. And the first part's about my dad, and the second part's the wonderful love story. And the third part is, you know, my experience of of my grief and grace after he died. Um, so, yeah, it's a very personal, sweet story. I liked it on your website. And, by the way, the website address is patty, P-A-T-T-I-A-S-H-L-E-Y.com, pattyashley.com. If you go to the website um, on the tab, training and events, where it says the very first uh, thing on the menu, today is the day, Fear to Love to Grace Summit. And I love and it's the fact that you have the pictures of both these being your father, you know, your father that died when you were 11. Um, and it's a picture of him from World War II and the picture of Lawrence Freedom. I just think it's beautiful to have them there to kind of help well, us feel. It was interesting because when I was planning the um, book launch, um, I was working with this coach um, on on doing a virtual book launch, and we looked at the beginning of 2020, even though the book came out actually a year ago on Lawrence's what would have been Lawrence's 65th birthday, April 9th last year, um, we were trying to do this virtual launch, but I was in the process of writing my third book, and we 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 looked at the beginning of 2020, and I said, well, we don't want to do January because, you know, everybody's just getting over Christmas, and how about February? And I said, oh, how about February 4th? It happens to be the anniversary of the day my father died. That's perfect. Let me do the math, and it was 50 oh. years. So it ha- I was like, that's synchronicity at its best. That, to me, is grace. 
because it was such an honor that I got to do this big launch on the 50th anniversary of having lost my father. So it was an honoring both of these men who I adored. And um, so, yeah, thank you for noticing that. I, my dad was a pretty, pretty awesome, awesome human. Oh, I, you just, just can't help but look at that picture and just feel like he's somebody you'd really like to meet. You know, very handsome man, but there's just, you know, some photos just really take the, uh, yeah. give you the person's, it's like you know them, like their essence is coming through. It's the same with your father and with, with Lawrence. Uh, yeah, they were, they had both great. had a really fun sense of humor. They had so much kindness. They were such kind men. And it, it's funny because even though my, I think the picture of my dad is the World War II picture, so it's somewhat of a serious, you can still see the little smirky smile. And, you know, it's funny because I was sur- channel surfing, you know, in all of this quarantine um, over the weekend, and there was a movie about, a, a biography about Jackie Gleason. And I used to watch Jackie Gleason, uh, Red Skeleton, Ed Sullivan mm-hmm. with my dad every weekend. And it was just such a fun time. So I watched this documentary of Jackie Gleason. And then yesterday I was channel surfing and some of the old Red Skeleton shows came on. And so I was watching these comedians and I was thinking about my dad because he was, he wasn't, you know, a stand on the stage comedian, but he was, he was a funny, sweet, lovable man. So thank you for noticing that. Oh yeah. Well, he's got a smile on this picture. And even though it's one of those older photos where you can still see him clearly enough to see his, you know, his eyes are real bright, his eyebrows are up, his smile. Yeah. And that little kind of up on one side. You know, was, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you can see the little smirk. He would—he was funny. He would say these silly, dry jokes all the time. <laughs> you laugh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, I just love that. Uh, your other book, now, before Letters to Freedom, I'm going to have to get off that page. I think he's talking to me. I don't know. Um, let's talk about all of your books. <laughs> um, oh, I know what I want to know, too. This is just way out. Oh, and by the way, for people listening live, if you have a question that you want to ask Dr. Ashley, you can call us in um, here. It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. Blog Talk Radio assures me at 646-716-9922. Or for the people who can't make a phone call, and, you know, we've all been in that situation Dr. Ashley, well, you want to say something to somebody, but you can't get on the phone because of your job or whatever. You know, you can always message me a question to Jennifer Maudette Perry or to Madam Perry Salon, and I'll be happy to share it. Um, let's talk about your books, and then after that, because I've got a couple of other things I want to talk to you about so much. Um, your first book, tell us where, why you chose, tell us about your first book. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to let you say it. I'm not going to try to lead you anywhere. Yeah, I um, was raising my kids in the 90s, 80s and 90s, and um, studying parent education, doing parent education, and I kept feeling like there were so many moms that would come to my parenting classes and they'd say, I just can't 
get wrap my head around this parenting thing. I just can't get it right. Everybody else is doing it right. I can't tell anybody I'm taking a parenting class. What's wrong with me? It was like this theme that was going on and on and on and on and on. So when I started my doctoral work and was trying to pick a dissertation topic, I thought, well, why don't I research women feeling good enough as moms? And what I found is there were no women who feel good enough as moms. And and this phenomenon of all of this unconscious material that Carl Jung calls the shadow. Um, the shadow is the part of ourselves where we repress things that we think might be bad. So putting connecting the dots to what I was saying earlier to the old parenting belief systems that you know talked us out of our feelings. And so a mom becomes a mom and she's supposed to love her kids and be happy and sacrifice. You know, we look at the 1950s moms, you know, um, you know, where were some of those TV shows, Donna Reed and Leave it to Be uh-huh. those, you know, ideas of what a mother ought to be. But a lot of moms in the 70s, you know, going back to work and, and, and learning some new things didn't feel that way, but they didn't know what to do with their feelings. So I, I, what I concluded in my research was all those feelings went in the shadow which was influencing us to do things such as we were talking about earlier, over-sacrificing, over-giving, um, smoothing things over, trying to meet our kiddos' needs without, you know, paying attention to our own, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I was finishing my dissertation, my doctoral committee said, this is really important. You need to write a book. You need to do workshops. And I'm an introvert, believe it or not, as much as I like to talk. I, I said, okay. So I started doing workshops while I was writing the book, and I got rejected a couple times and put the book away, and then somebody else later encouraged me to get it back out. So I've been doing workshops where because what I learned is you can't do this work from the neck up you have to embody it and now the research is all proving that which is when we talk about my third book I'll speak a little bit more to that but I intuitively decided because all these parents that were reading books and the more books they read the worse they felt I realized that because there's some somatic memory in our body memory that needs to be shaken up a little bit and and rewired so I started doing weekend retreats where we brought in creative arts and music and poetry and dance. And and then the book, finally, I got a publisher, yay, Nancy Cleary at Wyatt McKenzie Publishing in 2000 and, my gosh, when was it? 2000 and something. It's been about six or seven years. And, um, yeah, and so I found themes in my research that, you know, women were experiencing around unrealistic expectations. Um, the oxygen mask was something that a couple moms had mentioned, which became a chapter on self-care. The paradox of parenting that it's always both and, and it's okay to feel resentful sometimes and not really like the job too much. But that doesn't mean you don't love your kids and embracing the paradox. And then loving and letting go, again, really recognizing that our kiddos are you know, working ourselves out of a job and they're going to move on. Um, mm-hmm. Those are some of the main themes, and each of the chapter talks about how some of the shadow aspects, the parts of ourselves that we don't really want to look at might influence those areas and how to bring them mm-hmm. into light and into consciousness and integrate them and, and have more mindfulness, balance, and authenticity is the summary of the book. 
So that was my book. That book, my and 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 that book, their first book, is living. Oh, the title. I'm just back. Living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother Archetype. Two Good Mother. Okay, the one I mentioned earlier. Okay, you can see I'm distracted. I'll admit, I'm distracted by something that I've posted it two weeks ago, and I posted it again now while we were talking. This cute little creature, it's like a baby, you know the baby Yoda? It's like a baby cousin it that says, Mm -hmm. I am enough. Oh. (laughs) Did you see my enough? Have you seen my enough on my website? You have to go to my, I have enough. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, the baby Yoda. It is my enough. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, Yeah, I I had a a friend. The story is I do group supervision with some therapists, and when I was talking about my third book, is on shame and not feeling good enough and reconstructing the authentic self. I said, you know, it's all about being enough. You just have to know I'm enough. And one of the, the psychologists, he goes, you're enough? I didn't know you were from enough. And I thought, well, that's a children's book. And then I said to a friend, I said, can you draw me enough? And so she had a friend of hers draw this little cute, like you're saying, a little Yoda guy. He's so cute. So he's my enough, N-U-F-F, so I'm enough. And um, I use that a lot with my clients and with myself and with my friends because laughter and playfulness actually helps rewire the brain and helps us feel Good. So we again, it's not neck up. We have to get it in the body memory, and so that feeling of laughter and playfulness really is is giving us new neural connections that say, "I am enough." I am so glad you said that. Yes, the laughter does does help us rewire the brains. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, this I I don't know. It's like a little like a little baby baby cousin it whatever. I'm sure it hangs out with Baby Yoda, but like I said, I posted that was one of the first things I posted two weeks ago when I was leading up to having you on the show, and uh, just to let people know, guess what's coming? And then I don't know. I just thought you can't. They're in a box, and if you go to the website pattyashley.com, um, or if you see them on the social media where I've shared them on Twitter or on Facebook, it's. You just can't look at it without smiling. And then it's a little box, and they have the ribbons around them. It's a little something for people. And it says sometimes we all need to remember that we are enough. These playful I am enough images bring a bit of humor to your day to lighten your spirits and place them around your home and office to remind you that you're enough. I just think that's so sweet. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I'm glad. I hope you didn't buy me sharing the enough. No, I'm so glad you did. I've got my enough right in front of me right now. I look at it all the time. It, it, it Yeah, you actually laugh and you exhale and it, it really is healing. And I think that's the part in our left brain culture. We don't really um, understand because we, we're so logical. You know, we, we try and be logical about things and and that's why I was saying the more books that moms read, the worse they felt because they were trying so hard to learn how to do everything. It's not in the logical mind. It's in the sensory mind. And so when we're laughing and we look at that enough and we go, oh, that's funny, and we exhale, we're entering into the sensory bright brain, and that's the beginning of where the healing happens. So, no, I thank you for bringing it up. I, If I can, yeah, I want to oh. do more with enough because I think it's very, very therapeutic. Enough is very therapeutic. That it is, and and just uh, therapeutic and, and 
joyful. Talk about, um, oh, my gosh, so much I want to talk to you about that, I, that you know about, and I know I've only got you for a few more minutes. Uh, living, in the two, living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother Archetype, and that was published by Wyatt McKenzie, um, and there is a trailer for it that I'll share too. And people can buy your books from your website as well as Amazon or bookstores. The link on my website takes you to Amazon, yeah. So that's the best way to do it. Just go to the website and click the buy the book, um, and then I'll give you more, a lot more information on my website too. Um, I haven't okay. put up yet. I need to do this. I've working, been working really hard in this quarantine on a online course that I'm developing called Go In, Not Out, Finding Deeper Parts of Yourself in the COVID-19 Pandemic. And it's going to be, it's three chapters plus an introduction and a conclusion. And we're going to talk about how all of the things that, some of the things that we've been talking about tonight, plus a whole lot more just in how you can kind of go in and seek um, some of the parts of yourself that maybe you may, might have lost when you lost your sense of identity or you never really found your sense of identity. But I think we're being pushed right now to go inward and really ask some bigger questions. So mm-hmm. it's Mystics Without Monasteries is the first chapter. The second one is... Um, Uh, The neurobiology of not feeling good enough. So back to what I was just talking about, about the, you know, changing the sensory messages in the brain and the nervous system. And then the third one is reconstructing the authentic self. So I'm hoping I've got some tech support calls lined up this week because it's almost ready to launch. I'm doing a Facebook Live on Fridays now at 11 on my Authenticity Architects page. Um, But if people go to my website and Sign up for my newsletter. You'll get all the latest and greatest on that. I'm still finishing the last pieces to that course. But, yeah, I think it's really exciting um, to have the opportunity in these times of going inward to really ask some of these bigger questions. So I'm excited to launch that. Hopefully. Oh, that is great, and I'll be sharing that too. Please make sure that um, – I have that information to share as well for people, or I'll keep looking to make sure I can share it so people can get the online courses. Because, I, and I'm not sure how old this, and some of the uh, interviews of yours that I was watching or listening to, I know you mentioned uh, you and your daughter were talking about you both love Paris. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been trying to get a group over there for a couple years, and obviously not going to happen this year. So we're pushing it off to next July. Um, um, a, a retreat for women, and um, yeah, I love not Paris, but the south of France, eight hours south of France. France. There's a lot I could say about that, but that's enough. It's beautiful. It's, it's great to go and be, and so much pleasure in in France. You know, all about rewiring the brain by enjoying the beautiful um, places and the, and the delicious food. Well, we'll keep that in mind because, yes, it's amazing. as you know how we never – we had no idea things were going to change for us all so quickly. And all of a sudden things that might have been the plan to go to south of France is now um, going in, not out. We'll do it online. Yeah. So, yeah. South you know, house, basement. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first weekend of March – 
I was in Tucson, Arizona, um, at Wild Wild West Con. It's a, are you familiar with steampunk? Kind steampunk of Jules too. Verne. Uh, no, no, steampunk like like a like Jules Verne science fiction, Wild West, Victorian wear kind of stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm and, not. I'm not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. It was a and so it's a convention in, in Tucson and there's a place there called Old Tucson. It used to be it's like a little village, a little western village, and it used to be a place uh it was set for T V shows and movies to film, like place movies like Rio Bravo and such filmed there. And now it's a tourist attraction. But once a year these uh steampunkers which dress in Victorian clothes but maybe oh. with a little western accent to it, we go there. And uh, and this is my third year to be invited to do a presentation on podcasting and a live broadcast. So we were all there the first weekend of March, and that's when the first most of the information was coming out about COVID-19 in the states. And at the end of that Sunday was when we turned our clocks ahead. We all went home from it at the end of Sunday, uh, the ninth, and then most of us never went back out again. And we said we didn't know when we were turning the clocks forward. We were going into the twilight zone. <laughs> Right. I know. It is the most bizarre experience. I have to tell my sister about that. She lives in Tucson. Is it the same time every year? Yes, first weekend of March every year. Oh, I mean, try to make it old town. That's old fun. Oh yeah, tell her about it. Yeah, she she may know about it or may not, but if she probably does. But and people can regular people can go there. I mean, regular tourists, but they can't go to our events without a pass. But they get a lot, lot for their money being able to look at all of our costumes. So anyway, but yeah, all of a sudden things just seem to turn on a dime, and some of us are, you know, doing we're all we're all doing our best to adapt, and that's why I said when the your online course is, it, I wrote those words down, going in, not out. Um, yeah, that's just uh, we're all having to adjust quickly to a a, a new reality temporarily. We hope it'll be. Oh, and what very I'm finding temporary. is the visceral response of the change in our body rhythm and our routines is actually activating some of these old body memories. So a lot of my tr- clients are are having PTSD um, responses, and you know, there's no time in body memory. And so what's happened is we're in this collective grief. Our lives are changing. We can't go run out to Target and go, you know, run around and avoid, you know, being with ourselves. And so the visceral response in the body is is telling us things and trying to get our attention. And so, again, out of the shadow into the light, what a great opportunity for people to really just take a look at it. Because um, mm-hmm. I think some really deep healing because, again – can't heal it in our logical mind. So if our sensory body feeling is getting activated, this is a great time to really shake it up and take a look at some things. So I'm excited about the course um, and getting it launched. Like I said, hopefully by the end of this week, beginning of next week. Well, it's please, free, yeah, and you sure. can just do it at their own pace. Oh, okay, great, even better. Um, yeah, so just make sure that. Um, I'll have all that information to share as well to everyone. So if you, like I said, some people tell me they listen in their cars, so I know you can't write it down. I'll I'll have all the information, and I'll be sharing it on all of my social media for you. Uh, We've talked about uh, living in the shadow of the too-good-mother archetype. We've talked about letters to Freedom. uh, Freedom. Uh, Could you tell me about 
Shame-Informed Therapy, the Art and Architecture of Reconstructing the Authentic Self. Yes, I actually just last night sent off hopefully the final round of proofing to, for the layout to my publisher. Yes. Which, yeah, this is a, a large publishing corporation called PESI. It stands for um, Professional Educational Seminar Institute. I've been training um, for therapists with me for years and just put it all together in this uh, workbook. So it's mainly for therapists, but... Um, the the worksheets in there are really helpful, and a lot of the worksheets are actually in this course that I'm doing for free. I shouldn't probably say that out loud, but um, <laughs> so a lot of the worksheets in the book are um, the activities that I suggest people do um, to activate and to um, excavate some of these parts of themselves that maybe have been hidden or gone into the shadow. And it looks at the neurobiology, so that's cool part is we know now that shame and trauma have a very similar neurobiology in that um, there's not enough neural connections that say I'm emotionally safe and I may not be lovable. So all these people that you meet who say, oh, I just uh, can't say I love myself or no, what, I have to be kind to myself, what, I don't know, you know. That's uh, that's because the neurobiology didn't get set up that, and it, to a degree that says, I am lovable, I am enough, and this is why my enough is so healing because it's like, oh, I am enough. That's right. Yes, it's my birthright to be lovable, to be enough, to be emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. But when we go back to all these old parenting practices and a lot of the old antiquated. Um, you know, ways we've done relationship, abusive, neglectful relationships. Even in the smaller context, you know, some of the emotional abuse from that idea of stop crying before I give you something to cry about. We don't get the neural connection that we need to feel safe. So this book is all about rewiring and reconstructing the authentic self. It's super cool, I think, and in terms of putting all oh, my work together. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, um, me too. Again, in June. So we're looking at but June. I like study. We were hoping to have the book out in the spring, but it looks like she's telling me if we they can get this layout uh, finalized, it'll be out in June. Out in June. Okay, great. Um, yeah, that sounds like definitely a, a book for our time now too, as as with all of your books. Uh, all of your books are very valuable, and, and I've noticed the two reading parts of them so far. I haven't finished them all, but reading parts of them, watching and listening to some of your interviews. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, um, and I think this now I, I understand why, I think your books read similar to being with you. And I've noticed that when you, you interview, when people interview you, you talk to them uh and make them feel, it's, it's easy to feel like we trust you from the sound of your voice, the way you look at people, the way you talk to us, and the way you write. Uh, you give us somebody who we know we can trust. You have the, um, you have the information. Uh, you have the, the intelligence that we need to learn about. Um, you said in one interview that you knew even as a child, uh, even after your father died or even in high school, you knew what you wanted to do. You knew that you wanted to help people live better. 
And I think it shows in everything you write and everything you say, Dr. Ashley. Well, thank you so much. That's quite a gracious, lovely compliment. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> well, I... I Ask anyone. I don't say it if I don't if it don't mean it. And that's just why I was just so another reason why I was just so excited to have you on here. Hopefully, uh, when your new book comes out, if we're lucky, you'll come back and talk to us again. I would love to do that. Thank you. This has been a delightful interview. I've really enjoyed talking with you. And yeah, I mean that's what Authenticity Architects is all about. That's my new brand. I've moved into. I've finally realized that's my work people like coaches I'd worked with in the past you know they would like say you have to have a niche you have to have a niche I'm like I don't know I I want to work with mothers I want to work with grief I want to work with shame I don't want a niche so my niche is authenticity that's my niche. <laughs> and, uh, and and it's perfect and it's what we need it's what we need Dr. Ashley thank you so much um so to everyone thank you you know I've been I've been talking with uh, Dr. Patty Ashley and, you know, I've been sharing all her books to cover everything, all the information. I will continue to share her website address and everything else you need or any questions you ask me about how to find her online courses. That may be, may be going out online on this Friday, uh, which we need and we thank you for. So, uh, Patty Ashley, much continued success to you, much love to you, and much health and uh, good vibes to you and all of yours, and we're happy that you've been here on Madam Perry's Salon. And to everybody else, remember what I always say, everybody's got to swing. Come back. I love you. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.